Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Kendra Maurer and Morgana. Tonight, we're welcoming Kiki Dombrowski. She is a tarot card reader, an author, an occultist, a student of magical arts, a student of literature. Um, she's taught witchcraft and divination techniques, and she just came out with a book called. A Curious Future, a Handbook of Unusual Divination and Unique Oracular Techniques. Welcome, Kiki. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat to be here. Well, it was great to see you. I uh, I heard you on the um, Strange Realities Conference last year. So, <laughs> so that's how I, I found out about you. And I've been following your work. And I think it's really, really interesting, this book you bring out. It's not just tarot and runes, which everybody, okay, not everybody knows, but if somebody says something about divination, those are the two that people are going to mention. And you don't just talk about uh, uh, pendulums um, and dowsing rods either, although I like those a lot. You have, you even have a, uh, chicken bone reading in here and you have water scrying and automatic writing. You have all of the big hits from back in the day. So what inspired you to write that book? Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think that you, you um, captured what inspired me to write the book. Um, I love divination and I think that you can divine with just about anything that's out there. So you don't need to be limited to the big forms of divination that we're all so uh, familiar with. So for example, if you go out and look for books on divination, you're usually going to find books on astrology or tarot or palmistry. Um, and those are all great. Like I love all of those forms of divination. But I think what inspired me to write the book was, what if we have a conversation about different forms of divination, about things that may be less known, about things that are just as awe-inspiring as tarot or Oracle or Lenormand or, you know, but talk about those things, but also suggest other less known, less popular forms of divination. So people have the opportunity to access divination, um, even if they're not interested in getting a book that's, you know, 75% on, you know, like you said, runes and uh, tarot. So um, I, I just, I, I would say that that was my number one interest in writing the book. And it slowly came together over time because of the articles that I was um, writing for Which Way Magazine. 
um, every month I would write a weird article on, you know, some weird form of divination. And then all of a sudden I was like, let's put that all together. Um, the, the book was originally self-published. Um, I just went ahead and just put all of these things together. And, um, you know, just after reading the reviews and kind of like looking at the book and knowing that some people loved it, but that there was the opportunity to really build, build it out further. And so, um, the book that you have in front of you is the second edition. It's twice as long as how it originally started because truly the opportunities to practice divination are limitless. And um, they're also personal experiences as well. So it was a real treat to, to flesh out the book and really just make it become a mature product. And um, yeah, there's pretty pictures in it too. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it, it was just, I, you know, just such a treat to talk about all these different ways that people can uh, communicate with divinity or communicate with their ancestors or maybe have some sort of um, reflective opportunity to look inwards and think about maybe what are some things that are going on subconsciously or what's a different way that I can interpret the situation, but interpret it through using sacred objects. That's really, really interesting. How did you start out divining? Did you well, just have it as a affinity or? I, you know, I always say that I was a strange child. <laughs> right? Yay. You know, it's really one of our people. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I had many many unusual encounters as a child, many unusual vivid dreams, uh, imaginary, and I, I say this pretty, with air quotes, um, imaginary friends, um, encounters with the Fae, I guess you would say. Um, oh, and I rhymed, I liked that. Um, <laughs> uh, otherworldly experiences, uh, to the point where, you know, I was constantly, I, I think that I was always, you know, mentally in a liminal space as a kid. Um, and so it was really quite fortunate that pop culture made uh, divination and magic and witchcraft really popular when I was coming of age. So um, in middle school, I was able to just really easily walk into tarot and witchcraft. And I'm so thankful that I was. And so, um, I would say the, the the long the long story is is that you know I was just a, an unusual kid who was constantly having very otherworldly experiences and it was very easy for me to just kind of get onto this this path um, and be interested in this path because of of all the things that I experienced um, and and thankfully I, that was very easy to do as a result of of media at the time and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I tarot was my first was my first thing too, believe it or not. You know, um I started with tarot and um was very lucky that I, you know, had a support system that allowed me to find uh good resources on tarot. I started with the Rider Waite Smith and I still work with the Rider Waite Smith. Um I'm obsessed with the, the illustrations. Um, I think Pamela Coleman Smith is just 
one of my favorites. Um, so I love talking about her and, uh, you know, some of the things that I think she quietly put in there into her deck. Um, it's not the only deck I use now. Like I use tons of different tarot decks and, and here, I'm going to show you guys, you could see me. I started this deck, the Toth Tarot, not too long ago, um, which is a totally different ball game. I'm not, I'm not as familiar, but I really love it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Tarot was where I started and tarot is where I still, still sit. But the book was this wonderful opportunity for me to branch out. Um, I was reading runes when I was about 18, 19 years old, and actually in my undergraduate degree, ended up writing my uh, honors thesis on runes because I loved it so much. So it was really fun. So even you know throughout my academic career, um, I I tried to find ways to weave in my you know interest in magic and witchcraft and divination. It was great. So I know a lot about like you know Icelandic sagas and. Arthurian legend and, um, you know, Celtic mythology. I made sure to do all those classes uh, and vampires like we were talking about before, although I don't, you know, that, that doesn't fit into my, my spiritual belief system. I still think they're really rad. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think radness is allowed to coexist with like a real serious spiritual system. Hell like yeah. it totally is. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. And well, and I love the idea that, you know, that, that, that um, we can believe in and create other creatures, otherworldly, strange, paranormal creatures, whether they're beneficial and beautiful, like elves in Lord of the Rings, or um, they could be scary vampires, <laughs> you know, or, uh, romantically sexy teenager vampires, like in the Vampire Diaries, you know, whatever. There's nothing wrong with Ian Smalderhalder. Sommerhalder, Sommer, never Summer mind. Yes, oh God, what a snack. Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about um, having uh, media pull you into to the the witchcraft and the divination what media were you talking about i just did a an interview with susan demeter and she and i are closer in age so our media we had we had witchy poo and um samantha from bewitched and witchy poo from hr puff and stuff so we were kind of for a while very limited but what what it it widened out so what Tell us what you were inspired by. And if you see me taking notes, I'm trying to, to write the ones that I want to definitely bring up. So there are three in particular that I think of off the top of my head. The first is my so-called life. Um, that's where I first saw tarot being used. Um, so I would say that that was the uh, gateway for me going into tarot was Angela Chase, learning how to read tarot and probably doing all sorts of tarot readings to find out what would happen with her and Jordan Catalano. Um, <laughs> so I really, I'm really thankful for my so-called life. Um, Tori Amos, um, while she's not necessarily a witchy person, she certainly is a magical and mystical person who's definitely inspired by um, something uh, that's very 
goddess related. You know, she's very much a high priestess figure. Um, and I, I, I've mentioned this in, in interviews before, but it's so important to me that she would thank the fairies, uh, you know, with her first, I think two or three albums and acknowledgements, she would always say thank you to the fairies. Um, so that was really important. And then Charmed, <laughs> I yeah. love mm -hmm. Charmed. I just absolutely love Charmed. It's just such a good show. It made me feel so good. Um, I loved the sisterhood and, and I loved that, that they were, you know, even in the early seasons, they struggled with the fact that, Oh God, are we really witches? Is this really what we have to do? And then they came into their powers and, and they did it for good. I don't know. Those were kind of the, in terms of like pop culture, that's what I was drawn to. Um, and then when I started to to read a little bit more and get into the books and like, well, I really want to like really, really learn this. I was such a 90s person. So all the people that were writing in the 90s were really important to me. Um, the Power of the Witch by Laurie Cabot is just one of my favorites. Um, and and I have a, a signed copy on my bookshelf, which I, oh, I love it. <laughs> like meeting Laurie, oh my God. And she had on these like big, you know, Coco Chanel glasses and just looked like the most powerful, wonderful person. Um, uh, but I loved, you know, like Fiona Horn and Christopher Penzak and um, uh, even even Silver Ravenwolf and, and Scott Cunningham. Those are the things that I kind of, you know, helped me walk into witchcraft and magic. And, and I'm so thankful for them as teachers um, and inspiring me to continue learning and, and, you know, go down the rabbit holes. I sold a lot of those books. Hmm? <laughs> I had, I sold a lot of those books. I had a metaphysical bookstore from like 1994 to 96, I think. Um, and Athens, the, one of the first things somebody said to me about Athens when I first moved here was a native of the town. He said, you can't swing a dead cat in Athens without hitting a witch. And I was like, oh. And so the 90s were kind of a renaissance here. And we had a really big, really active pagan community. And so um, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really, really awesome. So, you, you know, you're listing all these these authors off. I'm like, I got to meet that one and that one. Oh, <laughs> and I sold so all cool. of these books from this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It there helps was... that Athens was so active at that time, too. Yeah, yes. the energy was really high in Athens at that time. It it ebbs and flows. It rises you know, it, it waxes and wanes. Um, it's, it's, it's rising again right now. Um, so, so when are you going to have a festival? <laughs> when are you going to host the, the next witchy festival there? Well, there, we, you know, there is have Starwood, don't we? That is Starwood is here now. Starwood is down in Meg's County at a place called, um, what's it called? Not Willow. Wisteria. Wisteria. It's a camp that was started by a group of pagans. It's a community and a campground. And there, the old Starwood Festival used to be held up in Sherman, New York, which we went to it for 10 years straight. Um, now it's down here in Meigs County. It's smaller than it was, but 
it's still, you know, very, very energetic. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Maybe if they're doing something next year, I'll see if they need somebody to come and <laughs> teach a class. That'd be that cool. would be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. That would that would drag me out of my home to come and meet you. Yay! So, yes. Because people are like, why don't you got a Starwood now that it's here? I'm like, because it's here. Yeah. It's not time out of time and place out of place if you already live here. <laughs> well, there's also Pegan Unity. I go to Pegan Unity Festival every year, and that's in Tennessee. And that's, that's a good just, one that I've heard about. Oh, I love it. It's so nice. Yeah, um, and Tish Owen uh, is is the the head. I'll say the director of Pegan Unity Festival, but she started it. But she has all an incredible staff behind her, and they always do such a good job. Um, so yeah, yeah, you'll have to y'all have to take like a road trip down and go to Pegan Unity Festival. Maybe <laughs> that would be fun. That would yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I love hearing like which origin stories from other people because mine is not where is like not that cool like i'm named morgana it was i was screwed from the beginning <laughs> hey, was, if you've been a boy there was no avoiding boy, witchiness at if you all. were a boy you'd have been screwed worse because your father wanted to name you merlin so i'm just saying I, yeah, at least I'm named after. I prayed to the goddess you'd be a girl, so you'd have a much better name. That's a beautiful name. <laughs> it is a beautiful name, and I love my name. Yeah. yeah. But I I was just always aware of witchcraft, I suppose, because mom was a witch. And so I kind of grew up. If I, I wasn't really raised with a religion exactly, but if I was raised with a religion, it was vaguely witchy and vaguely... Native American and just this strange cosmic sense of you're all connected to everything and humans have will and you're, you do things with it. And so I think I started reading tarot cards when I was 11. Yeah. Wow. Because mom sat me down and taught me. Cool. That's really cool. That's really what a blessing to be able to have that. Right. You know? And that's that, that's how that I eclectic feel. spiritual upbringing, right? Yeah, and that's that's how I feel. But that's also why I love hearing other people's stories because it's like, oh, how did you find your path? Oh. Like, I was I was held by the hand and like gently tugged and then shoved in a direction. <laughs> like, yeah. there it is, yeah. kid. Go on. Yeah, that's really great. And, like, yeah, that's cool. Finding it like seems to me to be just so much more exciting. <laughs> you know, um, it was, it was, it was a little bit of a struggle for me um, because, uh, you know, part of my family is, is very religious um, in the sense where maybe it wasn't as uh, easy of something for people to accept or um, approve. So um there was a little bit of rebellious excitement in knowing that that was how I felt. But I also, you know, it's always funny too, when you hear people always like joke about the, well, it's just a phase. And people would say that to me, even about tarot or about witchcraft or about magic. Well, it's just a phase. It's something that you'll probably grow out of. And I remember, um, I have my reunion, my high school reunion, like, 20 years? I don't know how long it's been. It's been a long time. I'm, I'm 40. 
so more than 25 years, something like that. I don't know. When did I graduate? 99. <laughs> it's been a long time. So I went to my reunion and somebody was like, wow, I can't believe you're still doing that stuff. And I thought, yeah, I'm still doing, <laughs> I'm still doing that stuff. I'm still doing it because it's, it wasn't a phase, you know? Um, yeah. For me, it just, it, it was um, the lifestyle that I resonated with, especially because like I told you guys, you know, as a kid, I was, um, unusual, very much an Alice and Alice in Wonderland, maybe a little Luna love good. <laughs> you know, so, um, that was what I wanted to do without, you know, and I made the effort to, to try and see if I could, you know, hang out with other teams and it just, and by that, I mean, you know, um, participating in maybe more conventional religious opportunities, um, trying church and and it just didn't it didn't stick it didn't feel right to me um you know so th that's where i stuck and, and and while the discovery had that rebellious excitement um and and maybe a little bit of a push and pull element it it, it when i got into my early 20s i um, was very thankful there was a witchy store um in Connecticut, a store that was, you know, witchcraft and metaphysics, and they had weekly classes and you could join like their Wiccan coven. And so I learned about Wicca. And um, while I don't identify as Wiccan now, um, that was certainly, you know, a gateway for me. That was a, you know, a way for me to, 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 to further, you know, understand what witchcraft and magic meant to me, but also make me recognize, you know, you don't need to, you're, you, you could still be a witch, even if you don't say like, I'm a third degree, you know, um, Wiccan priest, priestess, <laughs> like you could still identify and, and consider yourself a witch and a magical witch and a magical person, even if you're not, um, Gardnerian, uh, Alexandrian. Yeah. 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 Although, I mean, like, and, but I, I still honor and highly, highly respect that because I think the initiation mysteries are so important and so valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of me is intrigued by it, but I don't know. I'm also um, really nosy and impatient. So <laughs> <laughs> feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, I do understand um, the first book on Wicca that I ever saw was at my high school library until I absconded, absconded with it, <clears throat> creatively acquired it, um, which is good because I think if anybody else had ever checked it out and saw the naked pictures in it, some, some librarian would have gotten into some trouble or some, so I, I, Paid for it. I said I lost it, but I, yeah, um, was what witches do by Stuart Farrar, and oh, wow. yeah. he was, of course, he was initiated by um, Alex Saunders, the founder of the Alexandrian tradition, and one of my favorite favorite moments as a witch was getting to meet him, and. Um, and uh, his his dear lady, and that was at Starwood. And of course, he was he was in up in years by then. And I said, you know, I kind of feel like you're my spiritual grandfather. And he was like, 
he was very, very touched and it was really sweet, but that was, that was very, very exciting to actually get yeah. to meet him and talk with him. And, and he asked if I was initiated and I said, no. And he said, good. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's funny. He said, some of, oh, some of that is a little bit stuff and nonsense. It's a bit stuffy now, isn't it? You know, oh my goodness. he's like, you know, where did you grow up, dear? And I was like, West Virginia. And you know how you have to explain West Virginia to people from England is you sure. have to go. It's kind of like the the tiniest, most backwardest part of like, he was like Wales. And I went, see, I was trying to be nice. But yeah, like that. And honestly, a lot of my family is from Wales. So there's probably some kind of thing, you know. Sure. And like, oh, so it's it's very biblical and i said yes it's very biblical <laughs> he said so all of the witches hid and i said yes we all hid <laughs> oh wow yeah so he I, was like, you know he was just he was delightful it was wonderful. i'm so happy to hear that isn't that it's always it feels so good when you meet people that you admire and that you learn from and they show kindness and gratitude it's like such a special awesome feeling yeah. <laughs> yes yes yeah. West Virginia, I think, is really magical. What a special, special oh, place. Yes. It is. What a special place. What a weird very magical. place. <laughs> yeah. um, it is strange. I am, I am 100% convinced that the hills themselves are a lot more alive than other places in the country. So I'm going. Absolutely. Yeah. So I always tell people, um, when I visit West Virginia, it's very interesting you say that, Morgana, because um, I always say when you visit West Virginia and you look out, the woods look back at you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. They, they watch you back. Yes, so they do. That's, I love that that's how you put that because it's like, I don't, I, oh God, I've, I've spent, I've spent a little bit of time in West Virginia. And I always say that like, if I ever someday get like a writer's sabbatical, I'd like to just spend a couple weeks staying at the purple fiddle, um, which is, <laughs> I can't tell you what town it's in, but I'm sure you could Google it. It's like way in the mountains. Um, and it's a very, very small little town, but, um, I feel like somebody has to write like a movie about this place. It's so beautiful. It, but every time I, I would go into West Virginia, I would have this sense that there was something else out there. Um, and, 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 you know, I've had, I actually have a friend that, that said that they had kind of like a more extraterrestrial vibe from West Virginia as well, that they, you know, were it there and they kind of had like an encounter that they felt was, you know, alieny. I've never had that, but um, definitely have had the feeling that, you know, the land there is very much alive and, and, and very much aware of who's there and, 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 and full of observation. Yes. Yes. It, it very is. much is. Yeah. Um, the mountains at night in particular yeah. can yeah. just, it's like they wake up a little extra and mm -hmm. I'm always reminded of H.P. Lovecraft. Not because they're inherently spooky, but because I remember very clearly being a little kid. My dad was dating a woman who lived out in Putnam County. And she lived out in the country, very out in the country. 
And so there was not, there wasn't really light pollution. And so you would go outside and you would see the black ridge lines. And in the cracks of the ridge lines, there was just the the deep skyy voids with the stars beaming down and then the mountains, the craggy ridges just cutting across the stars. And so you've got the sky looking at you and like shining down on you. And you also have these black masses of mountains just like looming out of the darkness as extra dark. Like, and also just looking at you and like breathing. And you'd yeah. be like, okay. Yeah. In some cases, it feels claustrophobic too. Like, you feel it like was, you're looking yeah. down on. It was yeah. so weird. I, when I first moved to, well, one of the first times I went into Ohio was for a family reunion, and it was way out in the glacial plain where the glaciers had carved everything flat. And I almost had a panic attack because there was so much sky. That's where I live. <laughs> I was not used to that level of sky everywhere. I was yep. used to being hemmed in by these huge faces of like trees and rock. Wow. It and takes then, a lot of adjusting to live, to move from hills to living in a place like this. It's, it's flat and it's windy. Yep. Go ahead. I just I no. That, that was good. I was just I got lyrical about mountains for a minute mm-hmm. there. No, I was I recently driving in Cincinnati and I was going down a hill and looking at a wall of green and I was like, God, I miss that. Oh, I don't yeah. miss it in the snow and ice, but I miss all that. Like just yeah, you can't build on it, so it's green. Yep. So so much of West Virginia is like that. If you fly over it you wouldn't believe people live there at all because it looks like forested hills and that's it. Rivers, lakes, forests, hills. And then suddenly, Oh, there's a town or there's, there's a city. And then boom, it's gone again as you fly. I looked up to the town that I spent time in was called Thomas, West Virginia. It's near Maryland. Near as I can tell it's, it's, it's up in the Northern part of the state. Yeah, and I spent time in Shepherdstown as well, oh, uh, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Um, was really lucky to go up there for Halloween one year and, and talked a little bit, taught a little bit, did some tarot, and yeah, nice. really enjoyed Shepherdstown. Really cool town, like cool people and cool old, you know, bars and shops. Yeah. It's just really cool, cool place. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I just looked up witch shops in uh, Charleston. Charleston's where I. I grew up. I grew up part of the time in the city and then part of the time out in Putnam County, again, out in the country on my grandparents' farm where it was dark, dark, dark at night. So like Morgana says, they were up on top of a ridge so we could see across the ridges. We didn't really have that feeling of them hanging over us. Um, But the sky, you could see the Milky Way, which you cannot see in Charleston at all. And, I love that feeling. Yeah, And it's so, so beautiful. But, you know, my first night or two there, I couldn't sleep because of the darkness and the quiet, because I was used to the sound of traffic and people and animals moving around, cats, dogs, you know, so it was kind of weird to me. Um but I really loved that place. Um, but I, I looked up witch shops in Charleston 
And there's like in the greater Charleston Huntington area and all of the little towns in between, there's like six or seven now. I, I was, awesome. I was amazed because it was a struggle to get my first tarot deck when I was 15 years old. Wow. I had to go to a, um, was a novelty party goods stationery shop. It was a really cool place. It was called Lance's and it was like five floors of weird stuff. Like you could find all kinds of crazy old stuff, you know, that they'd had stuck in drawers forever and you'd rummage through and find old paper lace from the 19th century from Germany or something, you know, ridiculous stuff like that. And you, then you'd ask them how much it was and they were like, oh, it's 25 cents for a pound of it. And you know, okay. Uh, so you get cool stuff that way. Um, they had two tarot decks and you had to ask on the third floor to get it out of a case with their magic items, which was stage magic stuff. So they had it in with the stage magic stuff and it was hidden. So you could just kind of barely see the box, you know? So it was like oh this, God. yeah, it was like this big hidden thing. Um, most people who had tarot decks there had gotten them from out of state. So yeah. it was, yeah. it was really weird. Yeah, Isn't it your beer and your tarot cards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny now too. You can buy tarot decks at TJ Maxx. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I was like, I what a different world we live in. And I guess Joanne that some Fabrics has them that now. Hmm. Joanne Fabrics has them now. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It's just so interesting. I guess some people would say that you know, it's it's a pity it doesn't have that sort of like mystical hidden element to it. Um, but I like to, to think that this is a time in the world where we need to be able to access something that's a little bit above and beyond the five senses um, and the scrolling. So it's nice to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to have something else to do and to ponder and to be inspired by, you know, um, artistically, creatively, I think that tarot is, is such a a precious object to, to work with and all divination. Yeah. To circle back to a curious yeah. future, Coming right? Back, <laughs> back around on the guitar here. Yeah. Well, so divination. Um, I, I actually learned divination from my grandfather. If you count dowsing as divination. And since we used it to find hidden things like water, yeah. it does count as divination. So I learned the old Appalachian, use of a forked stick uh, means of finding water. And it worked, although it didn't work with everybody. Only certain people in the family could do it. No. So that was interesting. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I, I was not surprised that I became attracted to witchcraft and, and became a witch. And I don't understand why my family was suddenly like, oh, my God, you're a witch. I'm like, y'all were teaching me dowsing. When are you getting all, yeah, we used to like use a pendulum of a wedding ring to figure out if the baby was a boy or a girl. And, uh, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I'm holding one right now. <laughs> so what's what, you know, so Appalachia has all of this folk magic. And yet at the same time, when, you know, I finally came out and said, Hey, I'm a witch. Everybody was like, Oh, you know, so whatever. So we've, but we've been talk doing about, witchcraft all along. <laughs> yeah. 
and and everybody knows a spell or two or something in Appalachia. Everybody knows about dreams. You know, if you dream about um, a house, then it means that you're searching for something. You're searching for comfort. You're searching for family. If you dream about a tornado, there's trouble coming. Well, that's kind of obvious. But if you dream of a horse, what color is it? I mean, you know, if you talked about dreams when I was growing up, somebody would always say, well, you dreamed about a horse. Well, was it running towards you or was it running away from you? Or were you riding it? So everybody knew that. But at the same time, to call it witchcraft was, I don't know. It's that Bible thing, I think. It's the W word. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. It's interesting, too, because we could even argue that, you know, if we're doing practices at Christmas or Easter, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pagan elements to these holidays as well. Um, Yep. I even I even read something the other day on Facebook of all places that said, you know, I am rubber and you are glue. Whatever you say to me bounces back off me and sticks to you. And that's a that's a protection spell. Yeah. Against a hex, basically. Or what Mm -hmm. about when we're on, you know, I always say that like one of like our social media divinations is the predictive text. You know, people, I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, you guys love divination just by playing with predictive text or, or your first like five emojis represent your, your personal aesthetic. I'm like, wow, you know, like while we're here, let's also you know, drop your needle chart because this is all forms of, of, of some sort of like really weird, you know, way to tap into something. Un- I don't know, masked, hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I like to think about that. Pieces. Hmm? You know, we all have little bits and pieces of these, these old superstitions that then become, like you say, new superstitions, like the emojis or, predictive text which yes Kendra loves predictive text yeah it's fun isn't it <laughs> it is I, I like it too <laughs> what I'm all about things. <laughs> so what's what's one of your go ahead I was just going to ask what other forms of divination you practiced <laughs> sure um golly so I would say um you know, um, I, I have all different divination kits as a result of doing the book and just wanting to make sure that I had a personal experience with everything. Um, I'm, I'm holding a pendulum right now. So I, I like working with a pendulum every now and then. Uh, I'm a channeler, so I do a lot of channeling, but I don't necessarily do that as like a, um, you know, like something where I like do like a Zoom live event. <laughs> I, I guess I should try. I know that I've channeled before and that's been suggested, but I um in terms of divination kits, um I I mean tarot, I do runes. I have been studying runes for a really long time. I live on the coast. Um, and so I have a very, very special shell divination kit, which I probably talk about for like five too many pages. Like I just like love shell divination um, because I love collecting seashells. 
Um, so that's another thing that I like to work with as well. Um, but I also love scrying. Really, I'll try anything, but scrying to me is very special. I think it's a really special practice. Um, and I use uh, water as a surface for scrying, um, both at the ocean, but I am from Connecticut. And so um, uh, one of my favorite places to scry is the Connecticut River. <laughs> um, I, there's something very, very special and I don't know what it is, but the Connecticut River to me was just such a power place. Um, and I grew up on the Connecticut River um, in Glastonbury, Connecticut, which I think is fascinating because, you know, Glastonbury, um, UK, and Glastonbury, Connecticut is the only Glastonbury in the US. Um, there's also a Glastonbury in Australia, but um, I like to think that we're, you know, <laughs> you know, a, a, a very weird reflective mirror image to the Glastonbury UK. And um, just in kind of exploring my hometown, I've found that there are similar things. It's really interesting. I used to work too. I, my, my first job was at Talbot's, which is so nice. funny. I used to steam the clothes in, in the stock room at 15 years old and somebody, you know, would go and take them out put them on the floor. But my job was in Somerset Square. So like I worked in Somerset Square in Glastonbury, Connecticut. But um, I, I'm kind of going off topic a little bit just to kind of give you a little background that I think it's like, very interesting that there were all of these like sort of like strange reflective, magical elements and, and use of place names in Glastonbury, Connecticut. And the river to me was very, very powerful and uh, scrying in the river, you know, with the full moonlight always would conjure some sort of imagery. Um, so I always had really powerful experiences. Um, and one in particular I was thinking of tonight was um, there was, you know, because I was mentioning that, you know, as a kid, I always had these sort of otherworldly experiences. And one in particular was in a, a scrying session at the Connecticut River uh, during the full moon and, and looking out and, and, and you could see across the bank um, to the other side of the river, which would, for me, I was looking out into Rocky Hill, Connecticut for anybody that's a Connecticutician who's listening. Um, <laughs> and I didn't see Rocky Hill. I saw something else. I don't know where it was that I was looking into, but it wasn't Rocky Hill. <laughs> um, and I, I swore that I saw figures on the other bank and light, you know, uh, like candlelight. Um, and so the scrying experience was really powerful. And it's and it was so interesting. I remember looking at the bank and, and not seeing Rocky Hill, not really sure what I was looking at, but experiencing sort of this illuminated glow and maybe silhouettes of figures and you know as with any good you know magical scrying session i blinked or shook my head and looked and it was gone rocky hill was back um so i, I think that scrying is probably a form of divination that i need to also visit again because i haven't visited it in a while um i need to get a scrying mirror i don't even have a scrying mirror I just like to go to the water and, and use and use the water as a surface. But. Can you explain to uh, the listeners how scrying works? Yeah, absolutely. So scrying is the art of gazing. 
And I think that um, when when we think of scrying, probably that stereotypical image of somebody like looking into a crystal ball, that would yeah. probably be the easiest way to uh, talk about what scrying is. Um, people to this day use reflective crystal balls made out of black obsidian. Sometimes they use black glass. Um, and you can get like a crystal ball, but you can also get mirrors that are made out of this as well. And the idea of scrying is to look into this reflective surface. And it's almost like you let your vision go soft, like almost like you're staring into space or even staring beyond the reflective mm -hmm. surface. I, It's almost like you don't want to be looking at yourself in the mirror. Wouldn't it be funny too, talking about modern media? Mm -hmm. Like what if we used our... <laughs> We have we all are carrying around scrying mirrors with us when we look at our the black phones, surface of the phone. Isn't that yeah. fascinating? We all carry scrying mirrors with us. Um, wow, I feel like that's a tweet waiting to happen, right? <laughs> um, and so and so with scrying, you're meant to look on this reflective surface, and 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 sometimes people like to add a, a very gentle light element. So that's when you'll hear people say that, you know, they'll, they'll have a candle by their scrying mirror or their scrying ball, or they'll wait until there's a full moon. Um, some people will even scry with candles or with, um, with, uh, with fire. So really what you're doing is, is, is you're softening your, your soft, softening your gaze. So you're able to just like, allow for whatever surface you're looking into to maybe create patterns. Um, some people, when they scry with a mirror, they'll say that they see like a fog or a cloud or a colored mist fill the mirror. And I've seen that a couple times. Um, some people will actually see things like they'll have like a clairvoyant experience where they actually see something. Um, some people just mellow out and just tune out and have a meditative experience for a few minutes. And I think it's beneficial no matter what you see or experience. You maybe you'll you'll hear something. You don't see anything at all in your, you know, your scrying mirror, but all of a sudden you're like, wow, I keep hearing, you know, this song. It, you know, what is the repetition of these lyrics mean? Maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have started with explaining what scrying was before I said I loved it. No, that's okay. <laughs> No, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. I like, I like to do scrying. Um, I haven't done it in a, in a little while. One of my favorite things to use used to be, uh, a fairly large oval unset opal that had a lot of color in it. Uh, it was given to me by another witch who had, she just had this this little vial wrapped you know she had him wrapped in silk stuffed in a vial and she pulled it out and she said oh you, you were born in october here i have a gift for you and she said pick which one works and i was like okay and it's interesting because of course opals reflect light and fracture the light as they reflect it um they look like the lights look like they move even if you don't move the opal and I found that I could, you know, defocus my eyes, which that's basically what you're doing is you're unfocusing your gaze. Yeah. And I could see figures move in the in the crystal, in the, the opal. 
And that was, that was my first experience with it. And I thought that was just fascinating that sometimes it had something to do with something that I could understand at the time, but often it was something that I understood later, you know, because that's another thing with divination. Time is not always, you know, linear time does not always happen with the divination. So you go to do a card reading and it's telling you something that happened 50 years ago to your grandmother or, but it still has relevance to you, but maybe not right now. You know, you find out about it years later or it's giving you something that's far enough in the future or it's for someone else that you don't necessarily know it's for them. And then later, that's why anytime I do divination, I write it down. Because oh, yeah, <laughs> even if I mean, I don't do it if I'm doing it for somebody, you know, for somebody in the public. When I when I used to do tarot readings for pay, I didn't write other people's stuff down because that's to me, that's, that's privacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's tacky, as my grandmother would have said. Graham would have said, that's <laughs> tacky. Can't do that. But um, I always wrote stuff down, except for Kendra, because Kendra's were always the same. Doesn't and change. That's yeah, why every day I'm time. Anymore. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want See, to die I, anymore. We're done. I, I relate to that. I go through phases where I have specific cards that sit with me for a very long time. And I went through a phase where I kept getting the nine of swords, nine of swords, nine of swords, nine of swords. And then all of a sudden I started to get judgment, judgment, world, world. And now I'm in a two of cups and seven of pentacles phase. Every single reading is two of cups and seven of pentacles. And I, I really like that. I like that there's repetition in tarot. And, it, and to me, it's almost like when I see those repetitive cards, I start to go, I wonder if this is a spirit guide or a theme or a phase that's coming through the card. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really, you know, that's relative, not only to just like, hey, this is what the card represents, but maybe this is your current magic. This is your current phase. This is your, you know, something spectacular unfolding. Um, for me, I'm thrilled that I've kind of like shifted out of Nine of Swords. It's yeah. an I'm a nervous card. Nelly. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable I card. I yeah, know. I'm a very nervous person, so <laughs> I have a lot of anxious energy. So it feels good to sort of see that that shift. But 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 to your point too, that's why it's so valuable to um, write about what you're receiving because you can make a reflection, especially when you look back. You can go, well, I went through the the, the death card for this long, and these are some of the things that were actually happening in my life. How does that relate to the death card? You know, where was where was their metamorphosis? Where was their transformation in my personal life? What was I letting go of um, during the death card phase? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm very impatient too. I'm a very impatient person. So it's really interesting that I have the seven of pentacles right now because it's all about trying to just let things organically Grow. just grow at their own pace i'm like grow god damn it just freaking grow <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready to garden oh my god i'm laughing so my my boss just got me a little garden stake that literally is a terracotta thing that says grow damn it on it nice 
perfect. <laughs> yeah, your boss knows you. Um, that's perfect. So have you ever had a reading from someone else that was extremely accurate, but you couldn't figure out how they got it? I love getting some readings. Like I am all for it. I just gobble up readings. Let me see. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about how wildly profoundly accurate in terms of like psychic experience this was, but when I graduated high school, my mother, who's awesome, obviously, she's a cool lady. Um, she actually got me this this box, which I'm holding up. Nobody could see it, but it's a wooden box with um, with the hermit card on it. This is like a 30-year-old a, a box. Well, maybe like 27, 28-year-old box. She bought this for me when I started learning tarot. Awesome. When I graduated high school, I said that I wanted a psychic reading for, for my graduation gift, and she got it for me. Nice. A good mom. So I went and I got to see a clairvoyant and the clairvoyant picked up on, um, you know, my ancestors and the relatives of, you know, maybe, you know, a few generations back. Um, and I really liked that she picked up on one ancestor in particular who was a Native American woman who my mother's family knew as Blackfoot Mary because she was <laughs> Blackfoot. She was from the Blackfoot tribes. And um, this lady came to visit during the, the psychic reading and told the psychic to tell me that she was the one who rode horses and I was the one who walks with wolves. So I, I don't know if that has any psychic reading. Like, it's not like it like predicted my future, but I oh, that oh, that always stuck with me was that she was the one who rode with horses and I was the one who walked with wolves. And I don't know, maybe that's total BS. And, you know, it wasn't a great reading at all, but for some reason it was a very poetic phrase and it was very romantic to me and it, it stuck with me to this day. Um, she also told me to go to the University of Vermont for college, which I did not do. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I messed something up. It's like, you know, totally off path. But um, <laughs> I I also saw a palm. I, so I worked in New York City ever so ever, 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 ever so briefly. I, I, I wanted to go into the music industry because I love music and um, was an intern at like a promotional, like music promotion company and and I would commute from Yukon. So the University of Connecticut and wow. Stores Connecticut and I would drive to New Haven, Connecticut, get on the Metro North, get to Grand Central and then go down to 14th Street from Grand Central. So it was like a long commute um and I would stay for a couple days at a time. And I saw a palmist a palmist a, a palmistry reader, palm palm reader um Sorry, I was like, what do you call him? I was like, oh yeah, palm reader. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw a palm reader in a coffee, like a coffee shop uh, in, in the West Village. And she said, she looked at my hand and she said, you have to stop doing the job you're doing right now and move. Um, 
And it's so funny because I listened to her. So I, I quit doing the music thing and moved to Paris the following year. So nice. <laughs> that was a pretty good reading too. That was a good one. She didn't that specifically say I should move to Paris. Um, oh, and I'll give one more example because somebody did predict that I would move to Paris. Um, the, the person that I dedicated a curious future to, her name was Jessica. And Jessica was a close friend of my mother's. And apparently right after I was born, uh, Jessica came to visit me and looked at me and said, this one's meant to go to London and Paris. And I ended up moving to Paris and I, well, I, I didn't live in London, but I did live in Nottingham. So that was another good cool. predictive reading as well. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Little anecdotes. I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily like somebody said, Hey, you'll do X, Y, and Z, but but I guess that that's a really good point too. You know, divination readings don't necessarily have to be like, hey, here are your lottery numbers. You're going to move in a house on this street and it's going to be a red house. And, you know, you're going to marry a person whose last name begins with R. You know, like readings can just give you little like um, trinkets of information. They can be precious inspiring quotes or comments or reflections that allow you to think and maybe develop a side of yourself that that maybe would have been left untouched so that that's that's another special thing about divination too it doesn't necessarily have to just be exact coordinates but it can almost be you know like here i'm going to give you i'm going to point in the direction you should go and tell you to look for the pretty tree with the pretty leaves. Um, and so you actually have this very profound uh, interaction with the world of spirit um, as a result. I like that. <laughs> you okay, Kendra? Yeah. Okay. I had a moment with a bug. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I muted it. <laughs> and then it, and then it got, got a little busy and I was like, we got to stop this now. <laughs> Sorry about that. I felt really bad because I'm like, I'm really interested in what she's saying. Oh. Things are about to go sideways with this bug. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs happen. The bug is now dead. <laughs> At least I think it's dead. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's dead. It's under my coffee mug. <laughs> Mm. Well, under is better than in. So, yes, you did it right. Well, then I'm like, who do I kill it with? My phone? I don't want to kill it with my phone. Okay, I'm better. Then you could scry with the phone Good. and get the bugs reincarnation future, maybe. I don't know. That's true. I really like looking at divination in that light as well because, and I partially blame the Society for Psychical Research for this because there was this, you know, push to have divination be coordinates. Mm -hmm. And I think that while it can be sometimes, I think that it being more of this, a signpost for your soul, almost more than coordinates, is a better framing of how it works than just putting card readers and diviners up against the wall and being like, prove some stuff to me with what you're doing so I can see if this is cool or not, or if this is real or not. 
because I don't think that's fair testing conditions one. I mean, you can't just like scare the crap out of diviners and be like, we're going to put you on the spot. Like no CIA bad. <laughs> I think I see it as pebbles on the path and you choose to look mm -hmm. at them or you choose not to. And the ones you focus on are the ones that make sense to you at the time, but there's all the pebbles on the path. They're there for you to look at, but you just got to decide to look and listen. Yeah. I like that. The signpost for your soul and the pebbles on the path. Yeah. Yeah. Because who wants coordinates? Who wants, right. you know, the complete picture laid out clearly in front of them, right? That's when we read Macbeth and we're like, maybe we don't need all, the, all <laughs> yeah. of the, the, the juicy details laid out in front of me. I want to sort of like, you know, enjoy every, every bite, every step along the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. My, my sister was into palm reading and she looked at my palm with a lifeline and she was like, all right, you can have a long life. There's a break in the line and it does this. That means later in life, you're going to have an illness and you're not going to die from it, but it's going to change your life. So for the longest time I was like, what's it going to be? What's going to happen? Yeah. And then later in life I was diagnosed with uh, celiac. And that um, changed my life. And I went to my sister. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you won't believe this. And she's like, <laughs> you believe me? I'm like, I hate <laughs> you right now. <laughs> yeah. But she's more, I think she's more connected than she wants to admit she is or to think she is because she tends to be very literal. So she doesn't deal well with the spiritual and, and things like that. But, yeah, that's that's interesting. There's there's all different theories about that break. I wish that I was a better palm reader, but I remember I actually the worst reading I've ever received. I was told by a palm reader that yes, I would have some sort of freakish, hellish, horrible accident as a result of the break in my lifeline. Um, I was so distraught about that that I found out that the break in a lifeline really just usually means like a monumental shift. Yeah. Uh, and and for me, I, I mean, like, I just turned 40. And I don't know, like, I was like, I'm never gonna have a midlife crisis. Like, I am like, super duper involved in my midlife crisis. right now, <laughs> And like, totally like reevaluating everything, which also goes along astrologically with my Saturn return. And so I almost think of that, that break is like, a break from the path that you we're deeply embedded in. Um, and so maybe finding a trail of pebbles that takes me off somewhere different. And that could, you know, that could involve something that is, you know, a significant, maybe a, a challenging experience, but I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that was like, I think that's like the biggest no, no ever in a reading. Like you don't want to just say to somebody like you're SOL, you're going to have this terrible. <laughs> and, and who could yeah. see that truly who's looking yeah. for that kind of stuff, you know? I don't know, but I'm, I'm, and I'm so, golly, celiacs is a, is a tricky one to, to, to sort of like sink into and get used to and, 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 and maintain. And, and yeah. So. Although she, oh, well. she's much healthier than she was before oh, she yeah. knew. Isn't that interesting too, I when was... you kind of get that. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, now I know what to do. I know how to like work with the this. diagnosis was a relief. Because now yes. I can like go, okay, yeah. now I know how not to be a hundred pounds. 
Oh, oh God. Yeah, it was, I was gaunt. And what was sad is, is she loved bread Mm -hmm. and she would try to gain weight by eating bread because if I eat bread, I, I, yeah. yeah. And (laughs) me too. Yeah. She would just, you know, ah, I'd make like little balls out of Wonder Bread so I could eat it like an apple. Oh my God. And bread was killing her. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad you found solutions to. I'm sorry that they do not involve Wonder Bread. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I actually just like the smell of bread now. I don't need to eat it. I don't have a strong drive to eat most most bread products. I do like the smell of cinnamon buns. I I have no self control. Can you have gluten free, or is that still a triggering kind of thing? I can. You have to be careful with the ingredients because there's an ingredient that they use called guar gum that it's a natural laxative. But oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Totally noted. Yes. <laughs> so See, that kind of always comes up. And but there are some things that you just can't like the center of a cinnamon roll. You you can't reproduce that with anything but yeast and wheat. <laughs> yeah. So there's some things you just give up on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But there's a pill you can take that'll break down gluten in your gut so you don't get all of the symptoms from it. So that's helpful. Oh, cool. Occasionally cool. I get every now and then. Yeah. Have a little snack. Yeah. 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 I keep that I keep that stuff at my house for when Kendra visits and yeah. wants a donut. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Or a piece of pizza from the local shop. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. So yeah, I had a pizza. I had a reading once. I mentioned your chicken bone readings. People will joke about that. Um and <laughs> Probably the most amazing reading I ever had was from Mambo Miriam from the Rampart Street Voodoo Temple in New Orleans. Um, She's still there. She's still priestess there. And she had come to Starwood. And I had recently started working with Yemaya with three other women here in town in Athens. We all started dreaming of her at the same time. We were all friends. We started talking and it, we were like, oh, well, <laughs> same, same lady in blue, huh? Wow, that's interesting. So I went, I saw she was there and I decided I was going to have a reading from her. And she laid out a, a beautiful cloth with like 12 partitions on it and um, astrological symbols. And I don't speak the astrology, so I, I don't know what they meant. And so I just looked at it. It was real pretty. And then she had stones, bones. Um, one of them was a chicken bone, but there were vertebrae from a snake. And there was a tooth. Um, there was sticks, but I don't know what they were from. And there was like uh, a fossil and a couple of different kinds of shells. There were cowrie shells. You know, she asked if I wanted a cowrie shell reading or if I wanted the the bone reading. I said, all oh, the bones. Cool. Because cool. <laughs> you know, everybody will make fun of bones, but I want to I want to see this. And um, she shook them up. She had me hold the bag and just she's like, do I do I have to think of anything? She said, do you have a question? I said, no, I'm just 
just asking for a reading. We'll, we'll ask the spirits what they want to say. And she said, okay. She put her hands on the outside of my hands as we held it together. And she talked to the spirits and then she took it back and she threw them and she looked down at them. And then she looked at me and she told me my entire life, like wow, my background. The first thing she started out with was there are two spirits standing at your shoulders, one on the right, one on the left. They are ancestors of yours, one from one side of the family, one from the other. And she said, and you have, each of them has given you one of her names. So that was so accurate, but wait, there's more. She said, one of them is a tall, dark-skinned lady with a red wrap on her head, the way we would wear, the way we Africans would wear. She said, and she laughs a lot. And the other one is a little white lady. She's very pretty. And she has little glasses. She said, I can see her. And she's, she's very short. She's very petite. And she's very pale-skinned like you. And I was, like, about to, like, start crying because she described my mother's mother, the tall, dark-skinned lady. She always wore a red or blue bandana on her hair. Um, she was mostly Native American, so her skin was really, really dark. Um, but she prayed while my mother was pregnant that I would be pale-skinned, pale-haired, and pale-eyed like my dad. So that's how my genetic lottery got all the recessives because she really wanted a blonde haired, blue eyed baby. So she got one. Um, and then the other lady was my dad's sister, older sister. She was dying when I was born of cancer and she was my dad's favorite sister. So I was named for her and my, my grandmother, I have my middle name is from her. So she started out with that and then continued. I was like, you know, you can stop after that. You've already, you've already scared the bejesus out of me now. Um, but continue, keep going. And she said, you have a problem with your family right now. You haven't spoken with your parents and with good reason. It's been a long time. But these two spirits beside you are working from the other side. And within a year, you will hear from your parents and it will be a good thing. And you can choose to answer them or not. So, wow. It, that was super heavy stuff. And then she, you know, a few other little things. She was like, you know, are you a metal worker? And I had been working with a blacksmith at the time. And I was like, Yeah. And she said, well, that, that's, there's, there's a spirit. I would call him Ogun, but maybe you'd know him from a different name. She said, but yeah, th this, this and that. And she told me some other spirit things and bits. But the interesting thing was, is, you know, I came away from that with my mouth hanging open like an idiot and went back to my camp and everybody was like, so how'd it go? I'm like, this is what she said. And everybody's like, Oh, geez. And then, you know, my husband was like, well, we'll see if your parents talk to you. So eight months later, 
right before Thanksgiving, I get a phone call from my mother and she invited me to Thanksgiving. It would have been the first time I had seen and spoken with my parents for five years. And I was, I, I talked about it with my, my husband and, and with friends and they were, and with Kendra, Kendra was there for that. And she said, you know, I think, I think because of what Miriam said, you should, you should do it because this wow. was, this was, this was presaged. You should, you'll regret it if you don't. So I did. And, you know, we, we tentatively started talking after that. And uh, I was talking with my mom and she said, you know, do you know why I called you? And I said, no. She said, well, I was looking in the mirror one day and I saw my mother looking back at me. Oh, wow. And she said, you know, you were always her favorite. And I said, well, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Grandmothers aren't supposed to have favorites, but you were her favorite. And she said, I thought about you and I thought, what would my mother think? And she said, so I, I thought I should, I should call you. And she said, and then we had a, a Fisher family reunion and your dad was there and he was talking with his older brother and he said, uh, my, your dad wasn't looking very happy. He was kind of distraught looking. Okay. I that's not happy. fair though. Poppy never looked happy. I know. Right. I was about to say, how could you tell mom? I mean, cause he just always looks like, you know, that. <laughs> and, and, uh, so his older brother had said, so what's, what's up? And he said, I, I just, it's just not the same without Barb here. I just, it doesn't feel right. And he said, oh, well, and whose fault is that? Who can do something about that? And he said, yeah, I, I guess, I guess. And he's like, yeah, I guess you should. He was like, you know, you named her after Bobby. That was what they called my aunt. And he said, you know, how do you think she'd feel about that? So, you know, Aunt Bobby is standing there at her older brother's shoulder going, hey, say this. You know? <laughs> so that's what happened. It happened exactly as she said it would. And what's really interesting is I went back to her the next year and I said, okay, um, I don't want another reading because I'm afraid <laughs> to get another reading from you. But I don't know if you remember me. She says, oh, I remember you. She said, you're the one oh, with wow. the two spirits, the two ancestors. And I said, yes. And she said, you know, ancestors, when you carry their name, are very strong and they follow you around. And she said, let me guess. They did what I said they were doing. And I said, yes. And she said, you sure you don't want another reading? And I said, yes. I, have <laughs> I love you, Mambo. I love you so much. But no, I'd really rather. That was heavy. <laughs> she said, okay. I tried to get uh, my husband to go to her, but but he was like, mm -mm, nope, that's okay. <laughs> What's her name again? Mambo Miriam. Wow. Is she, is she still with yes. us? Yes. Oh, Rampart uh, Street Voodoo Temple. 
I gotta say, when you said Rampart Street, I'm like, what were you doing on Rampart Street? Because <laughs> that was not safe at that time. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I would have I would have gone to see her and Louie, but yeah, it was creepy. But she came to Starwood every year for I a year. I was gonna say, it, if you don't have to go to that part of New Orleans, you don't go to that part of New Orleans. It's, it's different now, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was my most amazing, amazing reading ever. Like, I'm going to have to go see her now. She's amazing. (laughs) She is really, really good. And she's she's funny, too. She has a really good sense of humor. What an amazing Uh, story. I love what you said, too, about ancestors with your name follow you around. Yeah. Yeah. In the African tradition, if you are named for someone if they're dead then they will follow you if they die after you're born in in africa you take the name of someone who's already dead you don't you don't name a child after someone who's alive huh, um, that's interesting same, that's it's the same thing no junior. i believe you don't do that in the jewish tradition too i was about to say same with the jewish tradition i, I it sounds familiar and i'm uh, mostly French, so I don't know if that's like a so maybe something they brought back from the colonial issues. Yeah, that the French brought back with them. That that's something that I've heard in our. Yeah, but in in the African tradition, the people that you're named for those those spirits, then essentially you are they are part of your spiritual advisory council i guess you you'd call it they follow you they follow your they help you um they give you a short sharp smack on the back of your head if you're being dumb yes yes (laughs) yes and it's true i do i never met my aunt but um i knew my grandmother and and i do dream about her sometimes so i saw her once because i never got to meet her Oh yeah, she she died when I was seventeen. I never got to meet my great grandmother, but I did see her ghost once at the old house, and I thought it was my grandmother, and I thought it was my grandmother for years until I told my mom about it and described what she looked like. And I remember saying, I remember being confused when I saw my grandmother later because she wasn't dressed the same mm-hmm. as she had been dressed when I'd looked up the hill and seen her, because it wasn't her; it was her mother, but as a ghost and. Mom was like, oh, yeah, that was your great-grandma. That's what she looked like. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. I love that, being able to have your ancestors come and visit. You know, I, I, I find that to be a very beautiful thing, to know that there's some lineage that, that still feels that it's important to check in and see what where'd the DNA go. Yeah, yeah, what's up with that? And I, I do feel like maybe that's why I saw her because I think she she was watching me play mm-hmm. because I was a kid. And if mom was her favorite granddaughter, then I would have, I'm the kid of her favorite kid. Mm-hmm. And so I can definitely see her being like, oh, let's check on my great grandbabies and just quietly without fuss and then just go on. Well, And I'm like... You know, grandma, great grandma, it would have been cool to like actually meet you, but I'm glad I got to see her because I got to know my other great grandmother um, on my grandfather's mother. Um, I actually got to know her 
like in the flesh, not as a ghost. Kendra even got to meet her mm -hmm. several times. But that's she another story. Because that's, that's, if we get started on Great Graham, it's, yeah, that's we'll a special, know. that's a whole, we could do a whole episode on Great Graham. <laughs> Part two episode. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, have you ever seen anything like that? Like um, a ghost or anything? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. oh, God, I see ghosts all the time. <laughs> but, you know, your your um, your story actually gave me a memory recall to a time that I was and, and I'm going to I'm trying to remember as I tell this story, I'm going to be trying to put together the pieces of what happened. Um, I was doing just a family tree, nothing intense. It wasn't like I was like in the the records of like libraries and hospitals, you know, I was just on like ancestry.com, but it was still really fun. And, um, and, and learning a little bit about my, my mother's family and, and the, the people in my mother's family. And, um, like I said, I'm trying to remember the full thing that happened. I had a dream that I was living during a different time. And I remember I was on a trolley and I was in like this fabulous Edwardian dress and I could feel the corset, you know, and I was sitting in, in this trolley and I don't even know if this is something that really could have historically happened. I'm just, this is how it felt in the dream. And there was this really lovely lady sitting next to me, just talking and asking me, you know, like, so tell me, what are you, what are you learning about right now? And in the dream, I remember saying, I'm, doing a family tree I'm, I'm trying to learn about my family and the trolley stopped and she got up and said wow i think you really should look at the the olivetti family a little bit more closely and got off the train and that was it or the trolley and so that's what i did turns out that that was a very significant lineage um you know, last name that ended up in my family tree. And I was really able to go down a rabbit hole with that one and trace them all the way back to France. And, um, you know, it was really cool, um, you know, to find that, to find that, uh, you know, through a dream. So yeah, all sorts of ghosts. Um, but, but in particular, yeah, your story really brought that one back to life. Um, that was a really cool experience, but yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've always really had a lot of ghost, a lot of, a lot of ghost stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even as a kid, um, you know, lots of, like I said, imaginary friends, uh, air quotes, I'm saying guardian angel encounters. Um, when I got to be about, this is an interesting story and I don't know if I've shared this one on a podcast. I heard, yes, this is a really weird story. This is a good one. Um, so Glastonbury, Connecticut, we're going right back to Connecticut because it, it's such a magical place. Um, it was one summer, I was probably in eighth or ninth grade about the time that I was reading The Power of the Witch and had my first Rider Waite Smith deck. And I don't know if I had seen a TV show or heard a song but like I was like walking, you know, this was before we had, you know, scrying mirrors that we carried, you know, pocket scrying mirrors. Um, it, it, it was a summer, summer vacation. And I was, you know, I lived in a beautiful rural area of town. 
And I remember walking around and going, I really want to see an alien. <laughs> like, who thinks that? But for some reason in my head, I thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be really cool to be able to see an alien? I want to see an alien tonight. I'm ready to see an alien. Um, I, I don't know why I thought that. And, 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 you know, maybe it was because at that point too, I was able to say things like, you know, I'd like to have this encounter and something along those lines would manifest. Um, and what's even weirder is, is as a child, I had extremely vivid and maybe even borderline traumatic nightmares about alien encounters. And so I avoided the whole, like I couldn't look at pictures of gray aliens um, to now I can, but, but, but as a kid, like I would see them and I would panic, I would freak out. Um, it's just, just gray aliens were no bueno. So it was, it made no sense that like, you know, being like 13 or 14, I was like, I'm ready to see one. And I was like ready to face my fears. And that night I had this, you know, really, really bad nightmare. Um, and I don't recall the nightmare itself or the contents of the nightmare, but I woke up and had sleep paralysis mm. and I wasn't able to move anything but my head. I could move my head. And I remember looking at the clock and it was about 4.20 AM, like 4.21, 4.20, you know, something like that. And I looked at the foot of my bed and I didn't see an alien, but I saw a ghost. So what kind of weird crossover happened there? And so I have sleep paralysis. The lights are not on. It's the middle of the night. It's 420. And I look at the foot of my bed and I see a ghost and it's of a little boy. And it's kind of like, I remember him being like, remember, like, you'll see like old timey pictures of like kids in the 1920s and they're selling newspapers and they've got the little hat on. That's what I saw. And he was holding his hand out to me. Like he wanted to, to touch me, but I'm freaking out because I can't move. And this is the weirdest part is, so there's a ghost at the foot of my bed. I can move my head and I keep looking to my left because there's a lamp. And I think if the light would just turn on, the ghost would go away. I want the light to turn on. I want the light to turn on. And it turned on. And so as soon as the light, like I said, like nobody's touching lights. There's nobody in the room but me. The light went on the ghost was gone and I was able to move. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a weird story for you. Yeah. That's a great story. That's like yeah. psychokinesis, like, and sleep paralysis and ghosts and trying to see aliens. That's great. That is amazing. A time, isn't it? Puberty really <laughs> is a weird time. Oh. So I don't I don't know if I've ever shared that story in, in in an interview before. So so yeah, I feel good to 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 release that into the universe and share because it was it what you're right. It was a weird crossover where you know just like having a fun summer ramble at a young age and you know for some reason in my head I was like I want to see an alien, but then having this sort of sleep paralysis ghosty. Yeah, it was just a weird crossover of all of the elements all in one. That's and you can turn amazing. lights on with your mind, which is awesome. I don't know if I can or not. I don't know if I've <laughs> done it again. I, I don't know. Part of me wonders, was that a spirit guardian or, you know, um, that that land where we lived in particular was really powerful. 
And I just wonder too, if I was really scared and something was watching out for me and was like, okay, well, we're going to get her out of this sticky situation and she could do that. Helped me out. Yeah. Because I've never, I I wish I could, I wish I could be like, hold on, like, you'll put my fingers on my temples and go lights off or lights on. But <laughs> no, I've never been able. It's not me. <laughs> a one time thing in extreme without. duress. Yeah. I can do it, but not without Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the clapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was he full color? Did he look solid or was he kind of see-through or was he kind of grayish misty or? grayish i remember him uh-huh. being in like the sepia tone or sepia i don't know how to say that we're like yeah, the yeah. like where you see like the newspaper tones i guess that's the best way to put it and he looked more solid but he wasn't like like i could touch right. him it was yeah like a, a solid cloud solidish cloud okay see now i have this terrible suspicion that if you'd reached out and touched him he'd have turned into an alien <laughs> and so i think you did the right thing I just got goosebumps. That's so not cool. <laughs> I, I think that that's that that's sweet dreams. That's the game that was, I'm gonna take a melatonin was... tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wonder. You know, I I always I, I it's really interesting because I always consider myself very very much deeply embedded in witchcraft and the woo. Like I love woo woo stuff and. This summer, a lot of conversations started where, you know, there were these discussions about star seeds and aliens. And, and so that kind of got revived in my life. Um, but I always consider myself very witchy and very magical. But for some reason, I'm always being drawn into paranormal conversations and, and having conversations with people that talk about UFOs and talk about ghosts and talk about Bigfoot. And I'm like, well, I don't, I mean, like, I want to hear about it. It's it's just interesting that my, like, you know, like, I, I'm i like, geez, like, I, I just write about witchcraft and tarot, but for some reason I keep getting, you know, taken into this world that, 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 that involves aliens and starseeds and, and Bigfoot and ghosts. And I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'll follow that path. I'll, I'll follow the pebbles on the oh, path. Yeah. I'll follow the signposts because there there has to be a reason for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I still am glad I didn't touch that ghost. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would <laughs> be terrible. <laughs> I have a firm no touching the supernatural entity that just appeared in front of me policy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big no. Yeah. That's That's like also when you don't eat the food, when you meet the fairies. Yes, exactly. No touching, no touching. The closest I've ever come to touching something like that was when I had a sleep paralysis nightmare and there were three fuzzy, like gray alien looking things at the foot of my bed. And I swung a knife when I finally woke up because they were terrifying. And they came back. Two of them came back after I fell asleep and I did it again. And after that, I think they were like, you know, this one's too feisty. We'll go we'll bother, go bother somebody the one else. next door. Yeah. yeah. You were ready to like get back at them. And <laughs> I was not about like, I've had sleep paralysis and night terrors for a while. And yeah, I either wake up screaming or I come up swinging <laughs> and I don't know why. 
Do you, do you still have them a lot or do you have like anything that you do that helps shield you I, from that kind of experience? I have them so much less. Um, there were two houses that I had them all the time. Um, and since then, I, I don't do a lot of magic. I'm like the laziest witch. <laughs> but I can ward like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I set up separate wards in my bedroom. Um and interestingly my boyfriend has sleep had sleep paralysis incidents a lot, but he saw a man in a black hat since he was a little boy. And I actually just out of the, I was telling mom about this and out of the blue one day I was like oh Baron Samdi mm -hmm. because my boyfriend works for his parents business which is a funeral home business and he grew up in the funeral home and he lives in he lived above the funeral home um, wow <laughs> what that's interesting in itself <laughs> yeah it, make, it, it makes perfect sense that we're dating. Like, it really does. I know. When I heard about him, I'm like, wow, you, you've, you cool. found the perfect one for you. Yeah. Um, so I actually put a little pendant with Baron Samdi's Veve up over my altar. And he hasn't had night terrors since. That's awesome. Um, and I don't know if that worked. I didn't tell him about it. I, because my boyfriend doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He's like, it's sweet that you have a paranormal podcast. I only believe in Bigfoot. And no, Bigfoot is not a ghost or a fairy or an um nothing or related to UFOs. He's just a hairy dude who lives in the woods. And I'm like, okay, flesh and blood hypothesis, babes. And he was like, yes, just stop. <laughs> you can't connect it to aliens. I'm like, I, I have several books. Watch I me. still can. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds oh, like a challenge dear. to me, buddy. <laughs> But I didn't mention anything. And then for me, I um, I sleep with a buck knife under the mattress. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, it's there as a silent challenge. Right. Your little athame, right? I'm like, come <laughs> at me, bro. Big athame. Yeah. It, it's... Yeah. And yes, it is. I use a crowbar as an athame too, actually. <laughs> When I do ritual, because it opens things and shuts things. And it's cold iron. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I always like the idea of having instruments in your magical practice that are so powerfully personal and unique. You know, like coming up with those personal modifications that fit who you are and fit yeah. your personality. Yep. I, I am... I am very much a barefoot doesn't. Do you read any of the Terry Pratchett books? No, I've read a good omens. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm very much a barefoot, no nonsense kitchen witch in a lot of ways, I guess you could say. Like, I just don't have time. And so it's like, I don't have a cauldron, but I have a stock pot. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome <laughs> i don't i don't have a have a staff and a rod i have a crowbar and a shillelagh yeah <laughs> yeah you know you work with the instruments that you have and that yeah. you're gifted 
It's like if I do something on the beach, I don't, you know, have to bring anything from my cabinet. Right. I've got shelves and for dishes and chalices driftwood. and driftwood and all this wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's more fun to work that way. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it connects you with the the spirit of place as well. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And it connects it connects you with yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the that that personal identity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love and it. your your ancestors as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm running into my microphone over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to talk about? You want to tell people where they can find your book and if there's anything else you want to talk about in the book? Oh gosh. Well, we go. uh, um, the, I would love to um, plug strange realities conference yes um if that's okay because some of my favorite people are going to be there and that's coming up in nashville um you can come in person but they also have uh like a virtual um you could watch it streaming so um strange realities it's coming up on the 15th of october uh through the 17th and the the virtual like the online streaming ticket is really really affordable for, to to be able to see the people who are going to be there it's going to be amazing like the lineup is like i don't know like i have a little intimidating like a little nervousness knowing <laughs> who's going to be there but i'm so excited and um i'll be teaching um on gateways and tarot so i will be just having a conversation not only about rachel pollock's theory about gateways appearing in um the rider Waite smith but talking about where i think that there are some really um deeper powerful magical gates within specific major arcana cards as well um so I will be talking about that for <laughs> one hour only, which is going to be tricky for me. Um, so, so if there's anybody who's listening, and and for the three of you as well, I'd love for you to 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 join. I, I don't know if you could come in person, but if you can hang out with us virtually, I'd be so happy to see you. Um, and it'd be comforting for me too because <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll come sit in the audience and cheer you on. Yay, thank you. <laughs> I need positive reinforcement. Yeah, but um, golly, there's going to be so many people there. So I, I think that it's going to be a special event. And I'd love for for anybody who's listening to to, to join in and be a part uh, and watch and participate. Um, and then my book is called A Curious Future. And you could get it at any retailer, like large retailer. But if you do, you know, prefer a local bookstore, I think that, you know, you could go into a local retailer and ask for them to order it and they can. Um, and and if you are a small book sh- bookshop, please, I'd love for you to get in touch. We'd like to get the book in your store and I'll send signed copies. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, the cur- you know, I hope I hope you all have enjoyed the book. And, and, and I think it is really neat that I think anybody can pick it up at any level in their practice and find something that maybe helps either refresh, you know, something that they haven't thought of in a while or gives them a different perspective on something that they've been doing forever. Or it's also wonderful for beginners who just want to be able to learn about anything from 
astrology to you know divination with food to, to tea leaves to you know scrying to dowsing everything's in there i'm gonna try scrying i've got a obsidian scrying ball that i picked up oh, cool. just because it called out to me like my finding sense pinged and i was like ah you you have something about you you need to come home with me now nice. and i've yeah. not really used it that much I've just yeah. kept it because it was like, I want to come home with you. And then I haven't done anything with it. So I'm going to give scrying a shot. Yeah. It's a really magical experience to, to try that because you really do. You have to really set stuff up. Right. You <laughs> have been really prepare your space. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you'll have to let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Well, thank and you. When I see the fall of Atlantis, I will blame you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Kiki's fault that we saw the fall of Atlantis. <laughs> Although it's already you. fallen. So there's that. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, thank you for coming and uh, hanging out with us. It was great. You're welcome to come back anytime. Um, if you ever want to come and talk witchy stuff, um, Susan Demeter is going to be a returning guest. You can be a returning guest as well. Um, maybe we can have three witches having a conversation sometime and uh, people seem to have really enjoyed that. So um, I would love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the six degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.